today's society, there are a plethora of heavy conversations. So much so that culture, and in a lot of ways the church, has decided to not even try to pick them up. Because of that, we're more divided than ever. But what if, what if you don't need to be able to be strong enough to pick it up? What if all you need is a counterweight? My name is Alexander James. My name is Michael Johnson. And we are the Counterweights. So listen, family, uh, we, me and Alex was just actually sitting there having a conversation on what we should name this podcast. Right. We knew exactly our heart was to create um, a conversation that would create some form of balance with the culture, today's present culture, and our church. Yeah. But we had no idea how to present the idea and what that looked like. Yeah, so we were literally going back and forth. I mean, I'm a poet, so people just think I know all the words on, on Earth. <laughs> right. We were like on thesaurus.com, and like we're just going back and forth. And we really settled on this idea of calling this the, the Counterweights Podcast. Uh, Mike, tell them what a counterweight is. So real quick, a definition of counterweight. Counterweight is a weight that by exerting an opposite force, it provides balance and stability of a mechanical system. Uh, but here's the crazy part. Its purpose is to make lifting the load more efficient, which saves energy and is less taxing on the lifting machine. So it creates this idea that uh, culture has been so heavy, right? Um, that, again, as, as Alex said, that conversations have been really... Uh, uh, dismal, have been really heavy, have been challenging to the degree where people just want to run from them. And, and as a result, we're, we're not even having conversations merely because we're just afraid in dealing with it. But consider right. there is the existence of a counterweight that's designed to bring balance and also make the load, load more efficient and saves you energy, which is, I believe, a, a great uh, place for the launching of this podcast. Yeah, and I love it because the counterweight doesn't necessarily affect or disrespect the weight that's present. I love it. Right? It, it is, it's not like it's an opposing force. Right. It's just a counter force. It's yeah. pulling the other way. So there's a balance and a symmetry between the two. So um, we're really excited. We really love it. I yeah, um, hope you guys so, love it too. Yeah. Um, and we're about to go ahead and get into our first topic. What are we dealing with today, Mike? We're dealing with church systematics. Um, there are systems that have been set up in place Years ago, right. there are systems that have taken place the past 10 years. Yeah. There are systems in place today. And here's another thing. There will be systems established, fortified tomorrow in the next 5, 10 years. So I think it's necessary for us to take into consideration where we've been, where we are, and where we're going so that we can make sure that the balance is uh, not only there, but we can actually see how to make sure that we have a handle on it and also make sure we're effective to who we're assigned to. Right, and it's important because they say that the the method may change, mm -hmm. but the message, message can't change. No, right. And the motivations to be the same. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening, um, especially if you're a millennial or you're a more seasoned saint, you've probably seen at least three versions of the church. Yeah. Um, but we just want to kind of lay it out we're going to start really, really macro with just how, you know, this way church used to look maybe 10, 15 years ago yeah. um, and how we got to going from the Mississippi Mass right. Choir to Hillsong. Right. How did we get there? All right. Let's talk about it. Yeah. 
So listen, I don't know exactly what uh, your church historical reference looked like, uh, your context looked like, but what we're going to do real quickly is just kind of give our own personal experiences and maybe by chance it bears witness with you. Um, I was brought up in the Church of God in Christ and uh, I- Koji! <laughs> right, right. Uh, I brought up at the Good News Church of God in Christ and I remember- the days where, um, uh, first off, all of the kids, we all had to do Easter speeches. We, we all wore, yeah, the I remember <laughs> right, Easter, Easter speeches. speeches. Even remember those. I don't know if they still do them now. They have different plays and everything. But we used to do Easter speeches. We had to remember within the first month. Uh, everyone sang in the choir. Yeah, uh, no choice. Right, no choice. You're going to find yourself as a tenor and alto or something. With a bow tie. With a bow tie, yes. The white gloves. You got to make sure that you're wearing your white and black on uh, first Sundays. Um, also, we uh, made sure that you we had junior deacons. Well, yeah, junior deacons. We actually had junior ushers yeah. on youth Sundays. We didn't have, you know, uh, the what we see today. But back in the day, we had youth ushers. We would have, during offering, we would actually do the march. We would march to the front with the collector's plate. And uh, so there were so many different experiences. And, and I don't want to um, throw shade on that because I don't know if your context is like that. You probably... Uh, maybe you, you like the flip-flops. Maybe you don't like to sing. Maybe you don't like to be a, a junior deacon. But I can be honest to say that my faith has been fortified today because of my foundation, hmm. because of my historical references and experiences. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the culture that I was brought up in gave not just validation, but again, gave structure and foundation to who I am today. And so prayerfully, if you are a millennial who uh you don't like to look backwards because you feel like it's non-relevant. Hear me. The power that you see, the expressions, the experience, the strength that you see today, it came from the foundations before you were born. Someone was in your position, actually laid foundation, and wow. now they're considered old. They were young too. And the Lord used them to lay foundation for what you yeah, now man. live and experience. And so yeah, man. I, I really value my history, man. Yeah, man. Let me ask you this, man. Like, what was that... Like, if you could, man, let, let's, like, DeLorean, let's time travel back. <laughs> you're, you're 13, and no, I, I, I'm asking for this reason. Yeah. Is this, like, um, now when I look back, I can see that it's valuable, but when I was in it, it wasn't any fun? Good question. Or is this, like, yeah. no, man, I actually really enjoyed yeah. the, the atmosphere, even when I was that age, yeah. and now it's even more valuable. So, like, yeah. take me back to 12 13 year old you yeah um and you're headed to 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 sunday school right like were you like man well i can't wait to get to sunday school yeah. and, if you, and if you did enjoy it why what, what what made it what made it so valuable to you right well at 12 years old um that's when i got saved i accepted jesus my lord and savior i remember attending a night service they called ypww which was i think you young people willing workers <laughs> so it was supposed to be a youth night but it really was like a Bible study, and they just try to include the young people. So they did the best they could. Do the acronym again? The YPWW, Young People Willing Workers. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> I think I, I could be youth. I could be getting the acronym wrong for those of you who are still teaching that class. <laughs> if, if you still in YPWW, I'll pray for you right now if you're still in. Young People Willing Workers or, or, or something like that. That. But anyways, one night, that night, um, that's why I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And my father was actually at the altar. 
and mm. he led me to the prayer of salvation. Wow. Um, but that wasn't... Your own dad? My own dad. Oh, that's so powerful. It was, yeah. So uh, uh, for those who don't know, my father passed away about four years ago, but I'm grateful to know that my history and foundation was my father at the altar, opening his arms and wow. accepting me and walking me through the plan of salvation. However, I can be honest with y'all, it wasn't the most entertaining time of my life. Hmm. You know, I sang in what we had, what, it was called a state youth choir where we sang songs and all that good stuff. The state? But, state youth choir, How yeah. How many yeah. people were in the state youth <laughs> right. choir, Mike? It was at least like maybe about 20 or 30 because it was was a part of our jurisdiction oh. so yeah so it was it was yeah anyways so here's the thing though i think my probably the most fun time that i had was we attended today young people go to youth retreats we went to what was called youth congress it was a youth conference uh that every year uh they would have during the summertime and um we would go to a hotel and stay for like three four days oh wow yeah so this was our getaway from oh home. wow yeah so um but the crazy part about it is at the night, they would have uh, youth services, and they had a speaker come. We would all dress up in our suits and shirts and ties. And um, again, it, it wasn't necessarily the entertainment, but here's the thing. I got serious about God at these night services. Mm. Like This is the first time where I saw young people crying out to God on the altar. They were crying out. They would lose their voice. One in the morning, the service is over, and young people would stay on the altar because they just want more of God. They were burning, which is why today I... I'm so excited and passionate about moments of deliverance or moments where people are willing to just press forward because yeah. that was my context. You know, it wasn't really just about entertainment, but it was about change and it was about deliverance, about healing. And so, um, again, I would say my context, it wasn't about, you know, just relevance or fun, but it was about experiencing God. It's about having unquestionable moments where God's power and presence was available and tangible. And uh, I loved it, man. And I love it today. Yeah, man. That's so good, man. Tell me tell me about, like, like we nailed down, like, the culture. Like, what was it? Because I want to imagine you weren't the only kid there. Of course. So, like, what was it like being with, like, the other community of kids in that church culture? Yeah. Like, what, what were you all, like, friends? Were you all, like... Like, what were your relationships with each other? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure, like, in today's context, people look forward to going to the next youth retreat because you see your friends that you made at the retreats. Mm -hmm. So at Congress, it's the same context where we wouldn't hang out because, let's say, I lived in Long Beach, and some of the friends that I met in youth Congress lived in Pomona, lived in San Diego, or lived in another state. Uh, and so we didn't have email back then, no social media. <laughs> this wasn't the time where Twitter and Facebook was popping. This is before MySpace. So this was the time where the wow. only, yeah, this, all MySpace. we had. Black Planet. <laughs> right, Black Planet. Yeah, all that. <laughs> so this before all that, all we had is cell phones and we barely used that because there was no reason we didn't do all that. Uh, so anyways, I think the exciting culture that we created was just the excitement or the, the camaraderie that we developed at Youth Congress. And it was basically... Uh, event driven you know this whole three four days we would come together connect and then we would leave from there however if i can talk about some of the challenges yeah i don't think that we did a great job with discipleship or follow-up mm. so real quick just for clarity let's, let's let's define those two terms okay like when you say discipleship um there's a lot of churches who believe that just having a youth event right is them discipling their youth no um what what do you say? What, yeah, well, well uh, disciple disciple. I believe a disciple is one who follows Christ. Mm -hmm. Just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't automatically make you a disciple. Right, doesn't make I, you a student. A student, right? You have to literally submit to the process of being like Christ, learning Christ, and helping others to do the same. And so, I think in in the context, while we had great experiences, um, no one took the time to help groom me so that I can grow as a Christian. 
and not only a Christian, but as a Christian disciple. Mm. So, so here's the crazy part. Um, my context is after going to youth congress, I was excited. I went back to my local church, told them about my experiences, and they say, "Wow, you know, Michael, he seems like he's really excited. Let's give him an opportunity to speak an inspirational message in front of the church, and let's make this a trial sermon to make him a minister." Wow. So I share my experience, a testimony, and they say, okay, cool. They gave me another opportunity to preach, and that was my trial sermon, which then eventually led to me in ministry. But here's the crazy part. My track of progression and maturity wasn't just about my Christianity, but it was about my ministry tenure. It was about me as a minister, as then becoming a preacher, and then you know working up that way. So again, no shade on the history, but I just want to make a reference that I think one thing that I value about today's experience is that we're not as title driven as they were before. Oh, oh, wait, let's, okay, not, because you about to go somewhere. Uh, we're going to cut it. Give me a minute. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, Mike, you about to get us both in trouble, man. Not this idea to. of, um... <laughs> Like being title driven. Let me let me let me ask this, man. Like, well, let me let me ask this first. What what as a young age, what did it? How did it affect you? The value that that church that church culture gave to titles. Yeah. Like what what did that do to you? Well, it um the way I can think about it back then. I'm looking at it today. Uh, you work at a job. You want to go through a, 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 a moment of, or a time of progression. You yeah. want to start as a you bottom employee. Thank you. You want to be a bottom employee. You want to be promoted to something higher than that, which leads to a supervisor, leads to a manager, and then et cetera, because you make more money. So I would think the progression of the church, um, they make that a priority. Yeah. Now, 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 again. Let me ask you this, Mike. Let me ask you this. I, I, I completely agree with you, okay. but I, I want to drill down. You okay. said... Uh, you go in an entry level. Yes. That's the trial sermon. Yes. And you Sundays. Right. Um, and you get what the, um, the inspirational message. Right. right. And then you upgrade and you're something else. Yeah. Upgrade to something else. And I'm guessing the only top could be pastor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said in, in the job world, you do that because you get more money. What is that? What is that? That. What are you paid? What's the wage you're getting that's increasing with different promotions I'm with you. in the church? Right. Um, so this is before honorariums. This yeah. is before, you know, you get love gifts. Um, when I was uh, first preaching, I think my currency was um, support. Yeah. Was, you know, good job, Michael. Accolades. Mm, you know, it, validation. it's like validation. Thank you. So the currency before was validation. Wow. Now, here's something interesting, though. As a young person... We all need to be validated in one shape, form, or another. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that as much in school, uh, even though I was tall, I played basketball, and you know. But the validation I got in church was different than what I got in school. Why is that? I think probably because it was more genuine, authentic. Mm-hmm. I had friends in school, but it wasn't like, man, Michael, we really value and appreciate you, and man, you're great at basketball. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna say that because if you lose a game, ain't nobody yeah. gonna give you yeah. a, a come, man, Mike. What? You should have made that shot. Right, right, right. right. But here's the crazy part in the, in the context. I could die in my five-minute sermon, be out of the text, mm-hmm. and they would say, man, good job, young man. Mm. You know, keep, 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 they would say, keep going for the Lord. Like, you know, keep going. Yeah, yeah, like, keep, yeah keep Keep living. 
Like, I didn't take it as shade. I took it as, wow, y'all really care about my growth. Yeah. yeah. So, so I would say this is the value of that, is that even though um, the approach I would question, I cannot deny the fact that my greatest sense of validation, appreciation, or uh, just support was found in those moments in my life. Yeah, man. Let me let me say this, and I guess it's my turn to get it. Yeah, show. come on. Is um, and this is a, an idea I got from a great preacher by the name of Vodi Bakum, um, and he, he lists up this idea of like how in normal, mostly urban churches, when we see a youth or a teenager that's really on fire, and by on fire we mean um, they are confident when talking about Christ. Okay. They are really good with memory verses. Oh, yeah. They are willing to. You know, be vulnerable in front of the group as like speaking, teaching. Yeah. Which is like almost coded language to say they are acquiescing to the culture better than other kids are. Okay. Right? So yeah. there's a culture, there's a what we value in that culture. And if you are more willing to do the things we value, then you get promoted. Yes. Which means the other kids. Which is a mic. Who, right, right. <laughs> which is a, yeah. Whoever told us that a yeah. mic was the promotion? Yeah, man, the promotion is more microphone. <laughs> Uh, more microphone. And um, which means that the kids who are not as willing to just give in or or replicate the culture yeah. they're given don't win. Right. They don't thrive. They don't. Right. They don't get to. Uh, they don't get microphones. And they and, also and, don't. And not only that, but they get to watch the kids who do prosper. Right. So it's just the counterweight to some of the the awesomeness of the familial neighborhood family mom and pop connection of of the church culture we were raised in because mine was very similar. Um, was that I learned at a young age, this is all you really want from me. You want me to sing a song. You want me to wear the suit. You want me to wear the gloves. But when it's not Sunday, when you talk about you weren't disciple. Yes. When it's not Sunday, you don't want me. Wow. I'm I'm, I'm here with my my three siblings and my mom. um, And y'all are not nearly as interested when I'm not performing for you. Right. And for me, the way it affected me is I thought... I was only valuable when I was doing those things. I was only validated when I was yes, doing those sir. things. Um, and you also get this this concept of, man, I think what happens, man, is you'll see a kid who's good at those things, those right. outward expressions, yeah. maybe um, o- o- who's overtly gifted in those kind Singing, of ways. Singing, preaching. Singing, preaching. Yeah. And, and here's what... what, what the idea that Vody lives, he says, we take those kids and we go, oh, this kid isn't normal. So he must be a preacher or a pastor or right. a deacon. Because it can't be normal for a kid to want to read the Bible, to want to talk about God, and to want right. who likes to pray. Right. So you can't be normal. Yeah. So you have to be a preacher. Yeah. You have to be a pastor. Yeah. Because if you're normal, then there's something wrong with us. Got you. Right? So what we do is... So it's already a separation. Now. Right. We, yeah. we have, if the child or the youth or whatever enjoys talking about God, enjoys praying, enjoys reading the word, we say, oh, you're anointed and you're called to do this. And all those things may be true. But what you do is that you establish a standard that just reading the Bible, just liking to pray, and just liking to talk about God aren't what God asks of every single Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to put, I have to make you special so that, so that all the kids who aren't like that don't feel bad. Yeah. Or the fact that I'm not like that as an older season say, yeah. I don't have to feel bad because you're special. Yeah. Like, like why has we lowered the bar so much that you're anointed if you can pray? 
Right. You're anointed. Right. If you can read the Bible. Something shifts. Something yeah, changes. Yeah, like we, we the, these things that the Bible calls like entry level stuff. Yeah. We've made skyscrapers. Right. So that the folks who aren't doing it normally don't have to feel bad. Right. Well, well I don't have to do it like them because they're you know they're anointed. They're anointed. Yeah, right. Like, so exactly. I, that's their calling. Yeah. So I don't have to pray like right. that. Right. real quick. Let me ask you though. You made a statement about those who. Um, on Sunday, they're almost this performer. Mm. They're performing right once the church recognizes there's something unique about them. And you said that almost at a point where you realize that on Sundays, you guys see the value in me, but Monday through Saturday, right. what is that? So did, did you deal with any emotional instability or instability Monday through Saturday because you did not get the validation on a Sunday? Absolutely, man. I think, I think for me... I was desperately looking for community and validation, especially with, with not being raised by my father. Gotcha. So anybody that gave me a compliment was my best friend, even if you were a horrible person yeah. or, you know, or just said hi to me on Sundays. Um, but because I, I was just so starving for it. Yeah. So I learned to be the, you know, the class clown, you know, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Because that got me attention and I was so starved for it. Right. In the, in the same way. That I learned to be the best junior deacon on Sunday because <laughs> yeah. that's what got me attention. And that's yeah. what got me the love that I that or the way that I thought love was supposed to come to me. Yeah. Um, which which gets me to this idea as we transition to what church is now. I would argue that we are just in a hyper a hyper stance of what was seated in the old school church. Okay. In the sense of we really made it performance based, and now a lot of church culture. It's just performances. Ah. Let's get yeah. into it. Though the church we were raised in um, blessed us and supported us and loved us and in a lot of ways nurtured mm-hmm. who we are, yeah. um, we also have to take the good with the bad. We have to take the weight right. with the counterweight. Right. That it also... We also were some of the folks who happened to thrive in a culture that really, really promoted um, performance, like yeah. being the speaker, the teacher, yeah. the one who led the prayer. Yeah. Um, and if you did that, then you got promoted, yeah. like using the metaphor you right. use. Um, which, which promoted looks for expanded opportunities mm-hmm. in that field of singing, preaching. And then for, for my context, uh, your greatest promotion is that you get invited to another church. Yep. And you get a chance to do that performance in other people. And if they liked you, they'll talk to you about somebody else. You go to another church. Yeah. And there's the, the idea of, oh, my God, I now have an itinerant ministry where I'm able to just go all over the place. And I'm too busy to do the things that matter right. because I'm just on the road all the time. Right. And, and I think what also happened is that while in the, in the old school church, for lack of a better term, or more seasoned saints church, while they were so passionate about getting youth involved mm-hmm. and said, okay, well, we'll just let them do something and like, you know, support them and clap. I don't think that their desires were negative gotcha. or, or, or like, or they were being intentionally deceptive and saying, oh, we'll just make them work for us. Right. I think they were really passionate about the young people keeping their church culture and church alive. So they just found some way to get youth involved. And this was the best they could come up with, yeah. um, which I give tons of honor and respect to. Um, however, an unintended result of that is now that generation that was taught performance and not taught as much sanctification. Yeah. 
now the generation are millennials yeah. and we're grown yeah and our those seeds that were planted of being valued only when i perform yeah um those folks are leading churches now yeah those folks are, are in yes. charge of ministries yeah so now ministries look like um it's all about the the guy at the top. It's yes. all about the the leadership and the, yeah. the, the top. It's about who performed his um, way up right, to the top. Who has the yeah. social media following? Yeah. Who's, who's the best performer? Yeah. The best speaker? The best true. rapper? The best poet? The so best true. whatever? Yeah. Because of the culture right. that we were kind of raised in back in back in olden days. Yeah, olden days. Um, <laughs> and I think what's what's important for millennials to to accept is that we have incredible ability. Right. Probably some of the most creative, intelligent folks that have ever existed until Gen A comes, because Gen yeah. A is going to be crazy. Gen Alpha. But I do think it's important for us to just acknowledge that your your story about, man, they let me do a bunch of stuff, but nobody like really walked with me and did discipleship with me, yeah. like other than your father. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that's important because now we have a generation that's good at ability, but not good at being sanctified. Gotcha. And not great at being like set apart. Yeah. Um, because the idea, the idea of performance means amass a crowd. Right. The idea of sanctified means set apart. Yeah. You can't have a heart that wants to perform and a and heart that wants to be sanctified, sanctified at the right. same time. Right. Because the, the crowd looks different when you're sanctified. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, now, I, imagine though, if we could create that balance, where in today's context, which we're talking about this counterbalance where you're educated with today's culture, aware mm -hmm. of this culture, and also you're gifted, you're anointed, you're, you're called and chosen, but you still value uh, the foundation of the old church, which was this sanctified lifestyle, mm -hmm. this, this righteous lifestyle. I believe that there are leaders today who probably made it to the top with their performance, but they are taking the time to realize that our church today needs a revival of that standard, of that sanctified standard. Here's the beautiful thing I think about today's culture is that they are, they may not have the same experiences of the olden church, mm -hmm. but they're sense enough aware. Okay, let me put it this way. It's crazy how you may not have personal experience but because it happened in your family, that DNA still transpires yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. Like, like even today, like our fathers and our mothers, my mom uh, was is a cancer survivor. Wow. I've never experienced cancer, but because of the DNA that God gave her through her faith, she has extended it to me. I've never been through that same experience, but I can share a testimony. I know what God can do yeah. because we did my mama's life. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we don't need the experience. We just need to have a conversation with those who has and created a balance. Say, listen, this worked, this didn't work. Now, how can we be effective in this culture, in this generation? Yeah, man, that's excellent. And, and you just, in a really, really fancy Michael Johnson way, <laughs> <laughs> described discipleship. Come on. I think that here's the thing, like a lot of our seasoned saints are still here. Yeah. So for, for those who are, are of, the, of an older generation that are listening, like there's still an opportunity Come on. for God to put a millennial on your heart that you know, yeah. a young person, 20, 30, 40, whatever, and, you, and say, hey, can I mentor you? Hey, yes. can I disciple you? Hey, can I share with you the, the practices and disciplines and the rhythms that have helped me sustain. Because here's what I'm concerned about, Mike. I'm yeah. concerned about today's church culture that is very performance-based. I'm concerned about burnout. Yeah. I'm concerned 
about the rates of depression amongst ministers and leaders. I'm concerned about the rate of suicide yeah. amongst ministers and leaders. And what of a lot of this, other than, of course, like mental illness, but what if parts of it have to do with us not learning the rhythms and how to like rest yeah. and sustain yeah. and like be at peace yeah. and like like leave? I was talking to a good buddy of mine, Jose Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the CEO of Rescue Generation. Get to know him if you don't know yeah. him. He's an awesome guy. Um, and I was just asking him, I said, man, like things are, are going really well in my life and my family and my ministry. Um, you come from uh, kind of an urban kind of, you know, come from lack like I used to. Yeah. How did you make that transition like to do it well to being in a space where God is kind of providing more? And he said, man, like what I like to do, bro, is like I'll have a season when I'm going hard in the paint and then I will tell myself this month. I'm not taking any bookings. Gotcha. I am going to rest and I'm going to recoup yeah. because you can't make the ministry your mistress. I love that. Say and, it and, again, and, man. And he Say said, it again. You can't make the ministry your mistress. Yes. And, and what, that helped me so much because honestly what he's saying is like, hey, you can be great at the performance side, but don't forget the pop, the, the laying prostrate yes, side. Sir. Yes, you can sir. be good at the, 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 the stage and the lights and moving the crowd. Right. But don't forget about sitting alone in the dark with Jesus. Come on, yeah. Um, and also learning what it is to have just have godly community. Um, if I'm honest with you, Mike, some of the most sanctifying moments of my life, though some of them have been alone on the floor in yeah. the bathroom when yeah. I was a teenager, yeah, like yeah. praying to God. Yeah. But most of them have been in community. Come and on. I think that that we... I, I don't mean to make the pendulum swing the whole other way mm-hmm. where now we believe sanctification is like go be alone in the forest. Right. And that, and they that, a hermit right. somewhere in yeah, Big Bear. Like, and that's cool. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. For the sure. biblical characters all through the Bible yes, spend a long time. Even Christ does yeah. that. But a lot of a lot of your sanctification comes from iron and sharpened iron. Yeah. A lot of our sanctification comes from us being in community together uh, where nobody's performing. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about my the my nights at around. I have a a, a, a roster of friends mm-hmm. that I call my nights at around table. Nights in the round table. And these are yes. brothers who are excellent in their craft. Wow. And I'm not gonna run down the list because yeah. if folks who are my friends don't find their name on the list, they can be mad. <laughs> That's a problem, right? <laughs> but there are some brothers who I know who are excellent in their craft. Yeah, yeah. And when we all get together, there's no competition Beautiful. because nobody's performing. Yes, yes. We're not because the other side of performance that I think we should get into now and challenge millennials is maybe we should get into this idea of uh, what, what performance culture has done to the way we preach, the way we sing, and maybe we should also get into, watch this, competition. Yes, sir. Because we got to be honest, millennials and folks that are in the culture now, the idea of wanting to be the best means that somebody else got to be second place. Right. So let's talk about and transition now to how can we respond and what's the countermeasure? Because I want to be excellent, Mike. Yeah. And how can I be excellent if I don't beat them? Come so on. let's talk about a biblical way to look at competition in the church. Wow. So there are definitely strengths and weaknesses to our foundation or our history context and even our present context. I believe this this conversation isn't about it was better back then than it is today. Mm-hmm. I believe that there were strengths in our past, yeah. but there are also strengths in our present. Absolutely. There were weaknesses in our past and there are weaknesses in our present. And the beautiful thing about it is um, the most effective 
leader, influencer, engager is one who is able to um, harness the strengths of the past and find ways to implement them in today's present to be effective for our future. Yeah. And so prayerfully, family, you're able to consider through this time uh, in our conversation, sharing our experience, you're able to look back and say, um, what could I uh, harness? What could I, as a farmer, harvest? What can I harvest from the experiences of my past right. for a more brighter future? However, one of the challenges, as, as Alex uh, just brought up, is that uh, sometimes our strengths lead to uh, division, and he used it as competition. Uh, we talked about the idea of, of someone who has been performance-driven, and so now you're invited to different churches or ministries, or maybe the validation at your church is super strong, but then there's someone else who's also being validated, and you're getting the less accolades or less validation right. than it was before. So now it's literally Mario versus Wario in your own church. Mario versus Luigi, whatever the case may yeah, be. Man, and I would argue, man, like that's, that's not a competition in church ain't new. Oh, this right. is something that, that goes to, I remember, Years. I remember, and I'm not going to say your name, yeah. mother, but I remember, <laughs> um, not my mother, but mother in the church. <laughs> um, but I can remember hearing choir members go, that's my song. Why is she singing my song? Yeah. Yes. Um, I lead that song. Yes. Why is she leading that song? Yeah. And it's like the same song is being sung to glorify God. Who does it matter? Who is leading? But but watching that, I remember going. Yeah. Maybe I, whatever I do, I need to I need to be the best at it, so nobody else wants anybody else to do it. Oh. With me. <laughs> so and I think that. So you want you want mic drops? Yeah, you want yeah, to mic the drop? Yeah, no, I, I, need, drop. I need to write the best poem. <laughs> yeah, I need to write the best sermon. So yeah, that's yeah. So jump to 2019. Yeah, that fruit that was that seed that was planted has come to fruition yes, now, sir. and now we have to be honest, um, millennials, that something that's definitely pre prevalent in our church culture now, um, more overtly than it was in the past, yeah. is this idea of us competing with one another. Wow. Um, I've I've had the chance to travel quite a bit doing poetry, yeah. and God's blessed my family tremendously. Yeah. Um, but my, I'm going to tell you this. Some of the most segregated rooms I've ever been in have been green rooms. Wow. When folks find, oh, oh, that's the other poet? <laughs> oh, who's going first? first. Who's going first? Exactly. Okay, they going? Right. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be out there to check them out. I'm going to check them and out. And check them out, right. And, and what's wow. crazy is like, when the person, like, uh, say does their poem and they come back to the green room, the other poets is like, yeah, man, good job. That was cool. While they were on stage, they were like, man, it was I'm going to kill it. Right. I'm going to kill it. Wow. Right? Or I've, I've, I've seen, like, um like little marathon preaching services. Yeah, yeah, And folk, at the end of it, all the preachers, preachers. would be like, preachers be like, oh, I killed it. Not seven last sayings. Yeah. always been. Seven last sayings. always been the competition. <laughs> Right. Well, who got the second saying? Okay, third saying? Okay, I'm going to finish it off. I'm going to kill it, Doc. Yeah, yeah, it's finished. All right, I'm going to slay, Doc. It, it's crazy part. You remember the Motown days where they mm. used to have multiple uh, guests yeah. who would sing? And literally, it was always about that competition because they're always trying to get um, signed by a record label. 
Right. Right? One group was singing, and then they would stare at I remember watching movies of like... Uh, five heartbeats. Five. You're right. Right? They sing it, and then the crowd don't want to... They done. The other crowd... They, they, the, the, the group's looking at one group. They're trying to say, like, who's going to do them up? Who's going to make the girls faint and all this and that? Right. And almost today, the same context, even altar calls. My context, how many people did fall out when you laid hands? Mm. Like, how many times... Again, no shade. No shade. Just yeah. use my own context. But literally, the competition I've seen is I've seen young people, uh, ministers who are laying hands and they're forcing people to fall because they have the appearance of being more stronger, powerful, and anointed so that someone else on the outside looking like, I want them at my church. Whoa, Mike, Mike, are they pushing people down, Mike? It's Street Fighter? It's Tekken? <laughs> hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm Whoa, not going to. Listen, if you are listening to this podcast <laughs> and you have ever stiff-armed somebody to the <laughs> ground, the I need you to pull over and right. ask God for forgiveness. Right. Right? What right. if they got a bad hip? You don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even know. But Let's, we have to understand that that ego is is really engaged even while we're allowing the spirit to f- move freely. Hmm. We have to literally, as, as Jesus says, um, deny self, take up the cross and follow me. He says denying self, that has to be a first fruit thing. Like the reason why we pray is not just so that Jesus can put us in a position to kill or slay the crowd, hmm. but so that flesh can be thrown out the door and all that's left is God's spirit. And I think one of the greatest advantages of this generation is that they realize their weaknesses are strengths. Mm. We no longer, again, I understand the tier that, 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 that some performers are now the senior leaders, but I think there's a new wave of disciples who are coming in to realize that, man, I, I'm nothing. I'm like Paul, I'm a wretch undone. Yeah, man. And in a lot of ways, it's because, especially for me, man, I've watched literal arguments during a church business meeting over titles. Yeah, man. And so I'm so, I'm <sighs> so adverse to like, yeah. like I'm like, call me Alistair, call me Pastor. And I'm, I don't want to disrespect the role For that sure. I'm in and, and, and all the folks that have come before me. But the same token, like, I, it's just it's just a knee-jerk reaction yeah. to like the presence of like titles because to me, titles represent... Um, for me, structures and systems of like power. Right. And for me, I'm like, if God, if Jesus they, got all the power. That's like, it. Like, because I know how wretched I am. Like, right. I'm very aware of how fallen Come I am on. in Jesus' name. Yes. Um, and I think another thing is that when you have a generation that is not chasing titles, you get more done. What's that quote that you'd be amazed what you can get done when you don't care who gets the credit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, all, man. yeah many things can be done if no one cares who gets the credit. Uh, shout out real quickly to uh, Moreno Valley. There's actually an event called One Body Event where they um, give out uh, free shoes. They also wash people's feet. Churches come together, and it's not about one church, but it's literally coming together wow. for the purpose of outreach. And I think that's another strength of this generation is that we're no longer just looking for too many opportunities to find the greatest performer, but we're looking for opportunities on how we can be more effective and valuable to this generation. Like this is probably the most connectable generation I've ever seen when it comes to young leadership. Our camaraderie, even this whole conversation before, it was about my podcast. Right. It was about my message, my event. But now it's about the power partnership. What can yeah, we man. do together to add more value and also be more valuable to this generation? So I love it, man. Yeah, man. And, and the thing is, like, as a, as a generation, if we can hold hold this concept of like, what if you are only as valuable as much value as you add to other people? Uh, wow. Like, what if what if what if we are only as um, without a mic, without a microphone? 
Like, what if, and, and we talked a lot, but let me just give you, I got you. some Bible, right? <laughs> so, one of my favorite biblical accounts um, is not uh, Samson because he's strong. It's not John the Baptist because he was holy. It's not, um, who else? David because he killed a giant. One of my favorite characters in the whole Bible is Jonathan. Mm. Jonathan, who was who was raised to be a performer by his performing father Saul, yeah. who be the biggest, be the strongest, be the yes, be the boisterous, you know, rude leader. Um, he had all the ingredients to be another King Saul, um, and he was. And watch this: he was he was destined to be king. And then here comes the prophet Samuel, who anoints this this ruddy uh, shepherd boy David, and says, "No, you're the new king." And when Jonathan could have been like. David's, every one of David's breath is rebellion to my kingliness. Yeah. Every day that David lives is an affront to the fact that I was raised to be king. But Jonathan goes, but I really love David. And Jonathan almost saves David's life two, three times. Yeah. Knowing that David living means that he'll never be king. Wow. And Jonathan Instead of thinking about his own his own platform, yes, his own voice, his yeah. own Instagram, his own yeah. and I, I tour, <laughs> yeah. he goes, no, nah, I'll just be a roadie for David. That's awesome. And I'll run interference for David. That's and so if we as a generation can, right. can get to a space yeah. where regardless of our church system and church culture, we are one, meeting needs, because that's the definition of ministry. Yeah. But we are in a space where it's valuable to us. To like how and who can I add value to today? This Sunday. What if every Sunday we went to church and thought, who can I add value to today? Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. All right, y'all. We're going to try to wrap up this topic. We're going to end out with some final thoughts. So it was a lot. We we took uh we took a, a tour bus through some historical references. We took a tour bus through some present day experiences. And so now the question is, where are we going? What do we do from here? Well, uh, we don't know. I wish I could tell you because there are so many different people with different perspectives. But um, I would like to lift up this potential challenge to uh, the current church, Millennial Church, who will be the senior leaders of tomorrow. I want you to be able to value the history and foundation of the church, even if you never had the experience um, back then. Uh, Consider you're going to be a senior leader in one shape, form, or another. And the question will come to mind is, what would you want to be remembered as? Mm. Remembered by? What are they going to say about you? Are they going to say that you were um, a competitor? Are they going to say that you were, you know, super ambitious? Are they going to say that you were great, you know, uh, with your gift, but horrible with their integrity and character? Wow. At the end of the day, uh, I think the challenge is not throwing shade on our history or our past. But again, as I said before, taking time to harvest what strengths can be found in our past and history that can benefit us on the assignment that we're in. I thank God for every experience, everyone who spoke in my life, every person who uh, didn't disciple me, who did disciple me, because I would not be the man I am today if it wasn't for who came before me. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. And my, my final thought would be this, man, as I, uh, Mike was kind of coming from the church to millennials, let me, let me challenge 
uh, the church on behalf of millennials. And I would say this, I would say we have to get to a space. No, let me say it this way. It's not too late. It's not too late for you to find someone younger than you and say, hey, I just want to walk with you. Mm. I just want to, even if you never technically use the term disciple, yeah. though I would prefer it, but even if you don't, yeah. like it's not too late to to go back and say, hey, we did a bunch of youth events, we had a bunch of lock-ins, we did concerts, we yeah. invited out rappers and all right, that right. stuff. But what you really wanted was for somebody to come to your basketball game. Right. What you really wanted was for somebody to come help you with homework. Yeah. What you really wanted yeah. was for somebody to come and do life with you. Yeah. You didn't have a mom. You didn't have a dad. You didn't right. have a, a mentor. And it, I was so busy like keeping my bills paid and keeping my, my, my home, home together. Um, I could have made more time to just do life with the young people at yeah. my church. Yeah. So to all my seasoned saints that are listening, it's not too late. Yeah, if you still have breath in your body, you can still be an awesome, godly example. Yes, sir. Um, a spiritual mother, a spiritual father to somebody who's walking around right now who is like, man, all I want is for somebody to look me in the eyes wow. and say that I'm valuable, yeah. to say that God has a plan for me, um, to love me enough to tell me when I'm right, and to love me enough to tell me when I'm, I'm wrong. wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's important because if all you have is the weight of performance, yeah. Where's the counterbalance? Exactly. Um, exactly. We appreciate you all. Please don't forget, like, share, yes. subscribe. Come on, family. Um, we're really, really excited about this journey. Yeah. Um, we have some really, really great guests that are going to be joining Come us. Come on, excited. In our next episode. So please yeah. uh, just stay with us. Thank you all. Uh, peace out. Love you, family.